It's my great honor to announce that we have successfully completed negotiations on a brand-new deal to terminate and replace NAFTA and the NAFTA trade agreements with an incredible new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement called U.S.-MCA. It sort of just works. MCA. U.S.-MCA. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today, we have Erickson Immigration Group attorneys Andy Finkel and Christian Nan joining us. Here, we examine NAFTA's trade agreement replacement, USMCA. What are the key changes in this new agreement between US, Mexico, and Canada? Are there any provisions that may impact work authorization for those on TN visas? Was there opportunity to do more? I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. NAFTA was an agreement that came into force in 1994 that uh, basically was supposed to facilitate trade between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, um, and it covered a lot of different subjects at the time, um, but it's been around for now, obviously, over 20 years. I think the general idea was there was some feeling that parts of it could be better. And largely, this was driven by the U.S. President Trump definitely uh, seemed to have this opinion and, and some others that the U.S. was losing out a little bit in terms of uh, manufacturing jobs and some other key things covered by by the deal. And so they wanted to renegotiate the treaty uh, with new and improved terms. The key changes we can talk briefly about, but it really just impacts the, the auto industry. Uh, they're trying to, as you were saying, increase the amount of jobs here in America. I think previously the NAFTA deal, it was 62% of manufacturing parts will be uh, produced in North America. And now that is pushed to 75%. So that's to encourage more employees and uh, work hours here in America and not outsource Today, the trade relationship is valued at $1.2 trillion, and the agreement would affect automobiles, agriculture, and copyrights. When it comes to cars, more components, three quarters, would have to be made in the United States, Mexico, or Canada. And more of those parts would have to come from factories that pay workers more, at least $16 an hour. Ready? And U.S. dairy farmers would get more access to Canada's milk market. Now, USMCA is not a done deal. There's still a lot of political uncertainty. Members of Congress have to vote on it. And the midterm has there been any changes to the TN visa? Because that is what impacts our listeners the most. Yeah. So, overall labor market changes aside, which may or may not have an impact on the flow of employees back and forth from one country to the next. The specific TN visa seems to have escaped unscathed, which is a huge victory for all of us, For <laughs> I <sure>. think, <laughs> first and foremost. For sure. You know, I think that we've all kind of been waiting on pins and needles for the last several months while uh, the there was talk about renegotiation and to hear that there is essentially very little changed with the TN visa is uh, kind of good news for us and for our community. Yes. So 
Of course, with anything political and anything in this administration, it's it's not enough to just claim victory. So uh, one. So let me just get it out of the way by saying this is this is a victory f- strictly from the TN standpoint, and that it still exists. It's not going away anytime soon, uh, which is another point I can come back to. But w- one point we were talking about before, and I, I think it's worth everybody hearing a little bit more about. This was an opportunity. Uh, there was the renegotiation of NAFTA, and the way TN visas are signed is is not a perfect science. So, uh, Christy, what what do you think was was a missed opportunity here with with these negotiations? Great question. So if we go back to just briefly look at how uh, the TN visa is sort of administered under originally under NAFTA, um, it's available for specific professional categories. And they were all listed out in in an appendix that was written back in 1994 and amended just a little tiny bit since then, uh, but largely has stayed the same for the life of the treaty. And while it's it's a good list that provides a lot of opportunities for Canadians and Mexicans to come into the U.S. Uh, and work, it also doesn't necessarily reflect our modern workforce and all of the jobs that are popular and in demand today. Uh, for instance, there are a lot of jobs for business type professions that are still not really addressed under NAFTA. Um, there's hardly a category uh, where uh, professionals with business type degrees can fit in under the treaty. Um, I know, Andy, you had a couple of examples you wanted to talk about too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I agree. I think the, the writ large, the business community would have appreciated some insight here because we, we see marketing professionals and people with general management degrees often struggle to have a, a clear cut fit. And one specific example that we keep coming back to is that of a financial analyst or a financial manager, because those are jobs where a degree in finance is is almost always required or something closely related. And there isn't a finance position. There's accountant, which is accounting, and economist, which is economics. And last November, it's, God, it's been almost a year since this, since this memo came out, but people would often be classified under the economist designation for these financial analyst type roles. And after the Buy American, Hire American executive order, we received guidance, specific guidance that financial positions were not supposed to qualify under these economist designations. And I think that's a real missed opportunity. Yeah, I'd agree. That really, that tightening of the economist category um, really cuts out a big industry across across all three of these countries, really, but definitely in the U.S. here. I think, well, and I think that's another valid point, too, when you say across all three countries. This, uh, I'm not as well versed as, as some of the my colleagues here, even on, on how Canada and Mexico will, will interpret NAFTA and what's, what's strictly allowable there, but I'm sure a modernization and a harmonization really of the global standards here would have been appreciated by businesses located in Canada and businesses located in Mexico to ensure everybody is on the same level playing field. So uh, with that in mind, do you guys see how TN visas may be impacted moving forward or what's the climate uh, moving ahead? 
Well, it's it's interesting to see where the scrutiny is coming in, right? Because at the border, it's not uniform, I, I think is, is my main takeaway here, which I think was another missed opportunity was enforcement or implementation techniques. Let's set a clear standard, not just for what's required, but how these should be adjudicated, right? So for example, let's just take accountant. The first, the first one on the list, you would, you can be a CPA, you can be a licensed accountant, you can have a bachelor's degree in accounting to qualify, but what else, what, what makes someone an accountant? And there's not, there's not the full scope of, of what's required. There's just this list in the appendix. And that becomes a problem when you look at USCIS who may interpret it one way and CBP whose officers are trained in other areas to interpret it another way. And even still a third way with, with the consulate in Mexico, when, when people, Mexican nationals apply for visas to come here, it, there isn't a uniform way for people to adjudicate these. There isn't guidance, uniform guidance for how these can be adjudicated. And that's where we get just this little bit of uncertainty and a little bit of, I think, unnecessary anxiety because these should be very straightforward. For years, they were very straightforward. And uh, it would have been nice to see that the US and Canada and Mexico are all holding the same adjudication standards. Uh, one, one element, because you talked about the deal as it was currently written, so there's there is a timing element of it. This isn't this isn't entirely a done deal. Now because the TN positions weren't raised in the negotiations or weren't addressed in the negotiations, I don't suspect they will be subject to this, but this still has to get through Congress. Everything that gets negotiated and signed before the window closes has to be essentially ratified uh, by Congress. And there will probably be, there will certainly be some change in politicians who are reviewing this case. We don't know what the balance of power is going to be, but I, I, it'll be interesting to see if this comes up again. I don't think it will because it wasn't a topic of really any new provision, but it'd be interesting to see if this comes up in ratification. Mm -hmm. Isn't it also true that the entire treaty is going to be up for renegotiation every six years going forward? So yeah, that was a unique provision too. I jotted I jotted that down. It was a, so it's a sixteen year sunset. So it has to be explicitly reauthorized every sixteen years, otherwise it sunsets. And then they're required to review it within six years, at which time they can then ex keep extending it for sixteen. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out, but yeah, we, this could come up again in in year six. And it will almost certainly be, if doing my math, it will almost certainly be under a new administration. Regardless, this will come up again. For more content and immigration updates, please visit our website at eiglaw.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG underscore law and our Instagram underscore EIG law to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Didn't. Say that again. If you're not on, if you're on a TN, nothing changes as a result of the USMCA. You're still on a TN, and you will be on a TN.